We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming up Wednesday morning. It's February 28th after a Wolves win on Tuesday night against the San Antonio Spurs. Final score is Wolves 114, Spurs 105. Wasn't really that close in the game. Wolves got up by as much as 24 in the third quarter. We got Britt Robson uh, from Min Post here with us today. Britt, the Wolves play uh, again this evening against against the Grizzlies, um, but we I think there's still things worth hitting on. Specifically from the Spurs game, we can go a little bit bigger picture too, uh, if you'd like. I think we're all looking for things of, at least right now, of this team getting back onto track post, post-All-Star, getting their rhythm, as kind of every team, you know, mm-hmm. uh, around the league is doing. Uh, no Carl Anthony Towns in that, that game last night. He missed uh, for, for personal reasons. And... You know, that that's always kind of, for me, the theme of any game. You know, Rudy misses the the Brooklyn game. How did they, you know, how did they play in, in Rudy's absence there? When Ant has missed games, you know, Mike Conley's missed games. We haven't had many cat missed games. This was the second one, right? Uh, he missed the, I think it was December 23rd against the Kings game. And the Wolves beat the Kings uh, that night in Cat's absence. And they beat the Spurs last night. What stands out to you about how the Wolves play? Or played last night uh, when Towns is is off the floor. I just think it's another sign of their depth um, that is uh, fascinating. I mean, th- they are the number one defense in the NBA uh, in February. Like Rudy Gobert is among the bottom four guys in defensive rating, and that's not anything against Rudy's. Uh, still playing great defense. But they're bringing Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Nas Reed off the bench. And all three of those guys are really getting after it on defense. You saw it. Uh, defense, it was like the old fly-around days. The energy, days. Energy, energy. Yep. They they were creating turnovers, and Ant was on the floor, and whenever Ant and Nas are together, and Nikhil has started to pick that up, and then you threw J-Mac in, who's obviously a poacher as well. Uh, they took advantage of a very inexperienced uh, team, Spurs team, and just thrashed them to the point where it was essentially over by the end of the, you know, mid midway to the end of the second quarter. They were up, you know, almost 20. 
Uh, Spurs have the worst record in the Western Conference. Wolves have the best record in the Western Conference. So that was notable that the bench, especially the way the defense gets after it from the bench personnel, was noticeable. And it was hard not to notice that the Wolves clowned around. And, um, you know, I mean, you get a guy like Keldon Johnson who, you know, thrives in garbage time. And, you know, it's what happened the last time they played the Spurs, only they lost that game. They This team has a tendency to overassume its uh, – it gets, frankly, complacent and lazy and uh, mentally in particular starts to relax and enjoy the game in a manner that is not alert. Mm-hmm. And it got to be a two-possession game within, like, three minutes to go, and that's – can be a way to, you know, pump the, the, the game. It has happened a handful of times to this team already. This team has been bushwhacked by their own complacency far more often than they've been outplayed by an opponent. Sure. They've very rarely been outplayed this season, but they have played themselves into defeats. And that was, I guess, the other thing I noticed that I would comment on is uh, – that they still have a ways to go. And I understand once the playoffs happen, uh, theoretically, they shouldn't get that way. But, you know, I mean, if you're up 25 in the middle of the third quarter in a playoff game, I'm not necessarily sure this team is going to step on the neck and keep going. It just doesn't seem to be their character. Yeah, it's – and then – Yet some of it's understandable too. I mean, that's obviously my my first instinct. But then you're like, okay, it's a Spurs. You're playing the Spurs on a back to back, and you know that in and of itself isn't at all you know concerning to me. That you okay, you, you let them back into the game. It's the element of it that is partially concerning. Is this is a theme right for this team throughout the season is letting their foot off the gas, gas, not stepping on the neck. You know we've. We've seen them lose games where they just let it go there. It didn't ever really feel like it was getting that close to that. Um, Last night, I mean, Finch still was pretty intentional about, you know, limiting Mike Conley's minutes and all those sort of things. Like trying to get out of that game without having to do too much. I think they would have liked to go to the bench guys earlier. I think Rudy played 39 minutes last night. You know, love that. Um, with it being a back-to-back, but, you know, no Carl, maybe you have to do that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We, we've had the conversation so many times about how this team wanes like that. And as always, it just goes back to Ant. Um, you know, where where's his attentiveness at? Where's his effort level at? Where How much does he want to, you know, step on teams next? Because when he does, he does, you know. Right. Um, what, what stood out to me, you know, I, I think I go again when players are missing. I'm kind of looking for, or when a when a star is missing, looking for a pairing uh, to kind of step up in, you know, in that player's stead. And it was obvious last night that the the pairing that that picked it up was uh, was Ant and and Nas. Do you know what the best two man pairing in? The, for the season is for, for the Wolves right now? It's not Ant and Nas. I'll say that. No, um, it might be Nikhil and Nas, or it might be Slow-Mo. And it'll be one of those three bench guys, I think, in tandem with each other. It'd be my guess. So 
so there's some like Nikhil ones that I I, I separated for like plus five hundred minutes. I, I think uh-huh. it was. Um, and, and Nikhil is in is in is in the fifth best one. Uh, him and Gobert is plus eleven point six. But the very best lineup combination this season has Cat been. Rudy? No, Cat isn't in any of the top six. Interesting. I, I yeah, I was just like this morning. I was I was going through because I was kind of looking for that. Right. Like, no right. talent, talents or whatever. Rudy and Nas has been the best two man, most effective two man pairing in terms of net rating this season, plus fifteen point eight. And the second most effective one has been Cat, or no, sorry, Ant and Nas, and they're uh-huh. at plus fifteen, just about at at the same level there. And you know, we were sitting there at the game together last night, and we're like, eh, we got to get more of those two guys on the floor Absolutely. together. That that pairing, right? Well, and what's fascinating about that is last season. Uh, Rudy and Nas were terrible together. Terrible. And last Minus season, point one, it was their worst. And last season, Ant and Nas were fantastic together. So what you had there was a two great offensive talents who used their gambling and speed and get after it on defense to run and get points in transition and also score in the half court when they needed to. But that gambling and scrambling on defense can can burn you. Um, And if you're in the half court with Rudy, you need to be able to play. You need to hold up your end. Rudy will hold up his end, and even will probably take a little of your end. But you need to be able to have your act together enough in the half court if you're going to play successfully with Rudy. And that, to me, I asked, you know, Nas this last night. I said, do you think the biggest improvement for you this season has been your ability to guard on the perimeter? He said, 100%. And, I mean, and it's so obvious. Uh, Finch is just beside himself. He couldn't get get enough of it in the postgame. And that is kind of what I'm talking about. It's like when I was thinking about a cat, Nas, slow-mo front court, at the beginning of the season, you know, that was a red flag territory for defense. I just didn't have any idea, you know, because slow-mo would be at the three. He's not a fast person. Nas would be at the four, kind of unfamiliar territory. And Cat at the five, we know what that that's like. Too familiar of territory. <laughs> yeah. And so what, what Nas has done, um, and it's funny, uh, Brunson, in the first question of the pregame with Finch, was talking about slow-mo's versatility. Well, slow-mo plays the same whether he's at the three or the four. It's not really versatile. It's the same position. But Nas, if you put Nas on the floor with Rudy, Nas is like a wing. Yeah. And, And... if Not like, he just is. I mean, it's just, it's it's not even like ambiguous. And... What that means is you could switch almost everything. You know, you, at the very least, you could do your uh, one through, I mean, two through five switches, two uh, one through four switches um, with Nas on the floor without even thinking about it. Uh, and you can also do zones. I mean, Nas made a play last night where he chased down somebody on a transition play, a guard racing toward the basket. Evan Pacella, yep. stopped the play. Um, he was it's in the just, far opposite corner. Vassell like stole it at the nail, started dribbling up the court, and Nas 
took the longer angle and beat Vassell to the rim on the other side. Fast. I mean, fast as shit. This guy is become a bargain, such a bargain uh, at what he's making now. And if, it, it, again, what what we saw last night, Cat and the night before, Rudy out, no problem. I mean, in some respects, it just gives, if you give those guys more minutes together with that blended lineup to throw a starter or two with those three, that's going to be a really good five-man lineup, yep. you know? I mean, almost regardless. And if you, you, you Fitch has even gotten, you know, you can tell he's tickled by it. You know, he gets to play three point guards every now and then just, <laughs> just for shits and giggles, you know? And so it's just this weird, uh, now, obviously, this isn't, you know, top-tier talent on the op- other side of the ball. And we'll probably see some more of this experimentation uh, tonight against Memphis. but. What is really cool about it is that he is getting a look at the broader array of what people could do. And he was reluctant to talk about Nas guarding in space because I think one, he didn't want to jinx it. And one, he didn't want Nas to, you know, depart from what Nas was doing really well in terms of being a good four. But Nas can play three. And slow-mo can play three. Those guys can can switch on three and four on assignments and on rules. And uh, the only thing on offense is that slow-mo is a point guard and Nas is a slasher. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so much fun. You, I look forward to the end of the first quarter and much of the second quarter and then in the third quarter. When the bench comes in, when that trio comes in of Na Nas and um, now you know Monte Morris or whatever as well, you know as slow mo. Then that, that's uh, where the game that's where the game shifted last yeah. night. It was you know Nas kind of checked in midway through the the first quarter, and I I put down in in my notes that Nas was a plus seventeen seventeen minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it was they got and and we'll talk about Monte Morris later too. It was it was Reed and Morris both came in together. I think the right. Wolves were down 13 to 10 at that point. And then I think it was 29 to 19 yeah. uh, by the end of the first quarter. That kind of extended the lead, extended more in the second quarter. And it was, like you said at the beginning, it was the energy of that group um, that the, the bench guys bring. And also, I think how they pair in tandem with Ant. They let Ant get out and play more of a four game, play with more pace. Uh, more in transition, whereas just, you know, when you're playing with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, it's going to be a little bit more of a slowed down half court type of offense. I think it's good for Finch to be able to feed Ant uh, that. And I think Nas feeds that to him more than anything. You, you mentioned Finch talking about a little bit. I'll play that that clip I asked Finch about the Ant and Nas pairing. Uh, Ant and Nas together have been one of your more effective two man pairings yeah. uh, all season. And and tonight it seemed like they're getting out in transition a lot together. What What do you what do you see from those two that makes it effective when they share the floor? Well, they—I mean—they're both. There are two most dynamic scorers, you know, and uh, they really can score. Uh, you know, defensively, Nas has been outstanding. Um, you know, and just taking a lot of different matchups, so um, gives us some switching there. You know, I think uh, Nas creates a lot of transition opportunities for us. Gets out, kind of. You know, we don't we don't get a ton of those, but he's usually a catalyst for a lot of them. 
uh, whether he's pushing or at the end of it. So, um, yeah, and he's just a ball mover. Like he's got that dynamic quality to him about our offense. So, big fan. He was he was a big fan of Nas. It was all the answers last night. He, he yeah, and and also, I mean, the attitudinal catalyst. I mean, Ann is twenty two years old and wants to hoop. He doesn't want to set up in the half court, swing, swing, make a cut, set a pick. Yep. Uh, that is what Conley and Gobert regard as like beautiful basketball. That's what Ant regards as work. Yeah, like homework. You know? Yeah. And, 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 and so when Nas comes on the floor, Let's you know, basically, that. theoretically posts up somebody or even like faces up somebody 18 feet from the basket. Dribbles the ball between his legs two times, deeks one way, goes the other, goes underneath the basket and uses his offense at hand to, you know, to bank it in. Ant sees that from his big, and, you know, tell me that doesn't get Ant off. You know? No, no, and I think particularly against Wemby, too. That, yeah. like, and fouls. Yeah, I mean, he, and, and the last time they played San Antonio at home, at least, I remember Nas Wemby going snuck. at him. No, no, no. I, oh, oh, he the, went okay. at he went Nas went at Wemby. I remember the the, the target center when I'm trying to I don't remember the the, the win. Okay. Game they lost. Yeah. The yeah. win Nas played really well against yeah. Wemby. And like for Ant, you know, that's who you're going at in that matchup. Right, right, and right, so there's right. a little more like, okay, that's their best player, kind of, you know, on, on the other team. And my right. big is defeating him here. You know, right. he's outrunning right. him, he's still finishing it. He's he's beating him. Nas was beating Wemby at times at Nas's game, which was with pace and transition and moving. And then he also beat Wemby at Wemby's game a couple of times, finishing at the rim, drawing fouls. Right. Like Nas, everyone out there is, you know, somewhat scared of Wemby at the rim, as they should be. Right. But Nas isn't, you know, and 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 that that's kind of I think that's kind of in who who Nas is. It gets some trouble sometimes, right? right? Of, Ooh, of right. like yeah, like a little and bit of he's uh, a really big meal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> food. Um, but yeah, you know, just just encouraging and and like, I think too with Nas, it's not like he's played great over the last six no, weeks too. So I, I I would say this is just as informative from a standpoint of like getting Nas into this final stretch of the season and. They're trying to achieve, right, is be peaking, particularly offensively, put some more juice into that offense over these last 24, 25 games. And Nas is their best way to do that off the bench. So I think that's what, you know, Finches is excited about as much of, as anything because he knows Nas is going to give him more of that offensive juice, but he's excited that Nas is also not costing them defensively. I think that's why you hear Finch affirm that, or you did hear him affirm that over and over um, in, in his postgame comments. And it's blended juice. I mean, last night, Nas was 8 for 10, but only 1 for 2 from 3, which means he was, uh, what does that make, 7 for 8 inside the arc. Sure. I mean, against Wemby. <laughs> you know, so, I right, mean, right. against the San Antonio team that, you know, wants to protect the rim. Um, and so <clears throat> that, there are other nights where oh, and the other thing is the three fouls on Wemby, which sure. compromises Wemby's ability to defend at the rim and also gets Nas points at the line. The fact that he's making all but one of eight shots while drawing three fouls mm -hmm. indicates that he's 
driving to score. You know, Ant and Cat ought to take notes for a minute. You know, uh, Ant is not trying to draw the foul, and that's one of the ways he doesn't draw the. I mean, he does draw the foul is because he's his quickness. He's aiming to score, and he's not avoiding contact. It's just that he's trying to get to the rim the way he's trying to get to the rim. Sure. And you know, it's just. I get it that um, when Nas has an off game, it's because he's missing wide open threes or turning the ball over because uh, I think, to be honest with you, the teams have scouted him and think that it's important to stop him. And one of the ways you do stop Nas is gap help, a lot of gap help. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that Nas is still a little bit weak in is understanding people poaching from the side. Yeah, he's very similar to Ant. Yeah, he is very, very rim conscious, and he's looking straight line. He's not looking peripherally. And uh, and let's face it, when Nas is on the roll, he almost never passes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just not his game. Right. Um, let me uh, let me grab our our first break here. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our our new sponsor, uh, Adriana Lonick. Uh, who is a realtor for Coldwell Banker Realty. Um, I've been mentioning it uh, this this week. Uh, Adrian and I met and just kind of talking about the idea of maybe the overlap of uh, listeners uh, to this show and people who might be wanting to buy uh, or or sell a home, uh, whether you're a first-time home buyer or you've bought and sold many homes, Adriana wants to help make your next, um, your next move the, the best experience it can be. And as I mentioned, we were adding the perk that if you mention this uh, this podcast, you will get a free pair of Wolves tickets when you do book a consultation with Adriana. Uh, she's a Wolves fan, a season ticket holder. And just reading through some of the reviews uh, of her work, there is um, a lot of specificity uh, in her in her game to to kind of help with the home buying or or selling experience. Again, rather this is if this is brand new to you or something you've done for a long time. So um, it's hard to know where to begin uh, with buying a house. And, and the place to do that is is to start by setting up a consultation with a realtor. And if you would like to work with Adriana, uh, which we would recommend, go to thedancingrealtor.com where you can call or text at 715-304-9920 again to, to book a consultation. And if you do that, uh, we will get you a, a pair of free Wolves tickets to a game. Again, her name is Adriana Lonick. She works with Coldwell Banker Realty. Uh, you can check out her website, which is up on the screen now at thedancingrealtor.com or call slash text at 715-304-9920. And then again, just quickly, uh, prize picks, another Wolves game tonight. I was I was kind of looking at it before the game, but they got they got Jaden McDaniels all the way down to single digits for his for his point total per game, which kind of makes sense. You know, Jaden's been struggling a little bit, but I was looking at some of that. I'm like, okay, back to back, you know, we got Ant at 27 and a half, back to back Ant, maybe go less than 27 and a half. If Carl's back, can he get more than 24 and a half? That's, that's juice. Get Jaden going there. Obviously these are just uh, kind of fun things to do uh, while, while the game is, is going on. It's, it's a like game specific fantasy basketball. So as always, Check out Prize Picks for Wolves game, prizepicks.com, Prize Picks app, promo code Dane for a $100 sign up bonus. All right, Brett. Um, I want to talk about Gobert uh, a little bit from, from last night. Uh, we we talked so much about the things we know he does well and has done consistently well uh, this season. 
I thought what stood out in his game last night and has been, if you've been watching every game, a bit of a theme this season is his ability to post up with power and finish. Um, if it is somebody who's weaker than him physically, he has with some consistency been able to kind of have that power drop, that pump fake into dunk game. He had that twice, two big ones um, on Wemby, which I, even if you didn't watch the game, I'm sure people saw highlights uh, of that afterwards. And it wasn't just like, my, what I take from that is it wasn't just one time like going against his little brother, right? And right. dunking on him. Uh, Rudy's been doing more of that this season. And, you know, looking into some of the numbers, it's it's been more of an effective part of the Wolves offense than we might give it credit to because, you know, we've seen enough of the, like the lefty running hooks right, right, right. that hit off the top of the corner or whatever. But in the aggregate, um, although a, a small piece of the Wolves offense, Rudy post-ups have actually been uh, an effective part of, of of this this team offensively this season. How do you feel about that? When 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 Rudy is under the basket, he has that that deep seal, or they find him in those situations. I know there's this like adjective, like anxiety of the oh, is he going to dribble it off his foot or whatever. But how how do you feel about going to that a little bit more often? Well, I think he's improved what he can improve. He's never going to have good hands, and he's never going to have a good sense of where the basket is. In other words, he uh, if Rudy has his back to the basket, you know, he is throwing it up on a memory. He's throwing it up on, I think the rim is right around here. And you if can he's throwing it up. If he's yeah. throwing it up. Exactly. So my point is, what he has done, where he has improved is his footwork. Mm-hmm. And, and that is incredibly important because he has no margin of error above his waist when it comes to, you know, getting that turnaround slam. Mm -hmm. And it has to be a slam to some extent. It can, you know, I mean, if he's facing up, it isn't even that push shot so much as it's uh, like that, just almost like a, a putback without getting the offensive rebound sometimes. Right. And and then the other thing is what he did twice to Wemby last night, which is using his footwork. It doesn't have to be tremendous fakes because he's so close to the rim that you have to bite. I mean, right. and I would bite because Rudy is not a finished product down there even now. So that if you're right, that you're, you know, you could, if you're seven, six, like Wemby, Go for the first move. Now, as it turns out, what we found at least twice last night is that Rudy has enough in his bag to fake somebody out who is biting hard on his first move. Um, part of that is that Wemby is not that quick yet. He's still really growing into his body. I mean, it was so weird to see him fall down so many times last night. And I don't think he was faking. I just think he's like basically... It's like us learning how to run on pogo sticks or something, you know? I mean, it's just sometimes you fall over. Right. Uh, but I do think that Rudy has worked on his footwork. I think that's the right emphasis, you know, whether it's with, you know, Kevin Hansen, spelled S-A-N-S-O-N. <laughs> I like S-E-N, which is the way I spelled his name and that assistant coaches call him. Uh, but uh, – it, you know, it may have been that, or it may it may have been Rudy on his own. You mentioned that you saw a lot of that in the in the World Cup 
I did because uh, it was maybe, all smalls. He's going. Yeah. He's being guarded by you know six, seven guys, and that did really stand out to me in World Cup. Is like they and they were they were cool with going to that. I mean, exclusively and and for it to be clear, like these are exclusively one on one situations. If there's any help there, get off of it, right? right. But if, if there and there are a lot of times where teams will just be like, okay, we're cool with our one guy guarding them here. And if Rudy can take advantage of that, that's valuable. And, and again, particularly thinking about for the, the postseason and the idea of a team going playing small ball against them, no true center, Rudy is going to have to do that, right? It's always been right. more about can Rudy punish small ball on offense more than it exposes him uh, on, on defense. I think this is an important thing. Um, I, I asked Rudy about it after the game, kind of with that, that World Cup context. Here's what he said body to create a little space to dunk like yeah. just is that your physicality coming into play or like how do you try to use that yeah to just advantage? me try to you know just impact guys you know no one got, likes to no one likes to get hit and uh i realize now that i have the strength to do it so uh, you know i just gotta keep doing it consistently you know and i think i really think over the course of the game uh it can really impact the it impacts my teammates too you know when i when i get a, a Strong finish at the rim and, uh, and dunk over someone. I really think impacts the team, but I also think he impacts the guy that got me. You know, no one likes to get uh, hit in chest all night. Seems like you started that in like World Cup, more of those kind of like power <coughs> post ups, more yeah. so than, than last season. Was that something you worked on this summer or just started going to it maybe more? This yeah, season? just, I mean, just working on my patience, working on my footwork, and also uh, the strength, you know, just getting stronger and stronger, getting more balanced uh, and even more explosive. And uh, all those things coming together and be able to have counter, you know, if I, just like I, uh, I did tonight, like on a spin move, if he's still there, be able to pump fake and then go back to, to the other side or finish, draw the foul, you know, and, uh, and it's fun. You know, it's fun. I still gotta be able to do it more consistently, but um, I really think it's unstoppable and puts a lot of pressure on whoever's calling me and and uh also it, draw, it draws fouls so if uh you know if i'm able to get the guy who's guarding me uh in foul trouble that's a huge plus for the team right i i looked it up um 70 post-ups this season for for rudy and these are marked as uh post-ups that lead to a shot or or a turnover uh-huh. um, this doesn't include include passes but you think about it as i'm posting up all right i'm going and i'm taking Right. This shot. Uh, 36 players in the league have 70 plus post-ups this season. And, you know, to be fair here, a lot of them have like 200 or 150, a lot sure. more than, than Rudy does, but 36 have 70 plus. And amongst those 36 players, Gobert is seventh in effectiveness in, in post-ups this season, 1.114 points per possession. That's ahead of Anthony Davis. That's ahead of Cat. That's ahead of Giannis in post-ups. Jaron Jackson Jr., Siakam, Shengu, Nurkic, Bam, Sabonis, Vucevic. Again, a lot of those guys are doing it more. Katz, for example, here is about double. I think Katz was 158, if I remember uh, correctly. And um, it's just a small but effective part of the offense. I thought that I went back to the year before and I'm like, this just has to be way better than, than last season. But I looked it up. Last season, 81 post-up possessions, 41 players. Had 81 plus post ups last year, and Gobert was 13th amongst those 
41 players. Did, which, what's what's the turnover ratio? Did you did you no, chart I, that? I mean, I, I I might be in here. It's usually in the in the numbers if you have the page. Yeah, up. it's uh it's it's 14.3% here which of those 36 um yeah, it's no, it's it's relative or no, it's the eighth highest of the okay. 36. So he is he is Turning it, it over. does seem like a high risk, high reward thing, but at mm -hmm. the same time, um, if I think a commensurate standing on turnovers and and efficiency, and let's face it, if you points per play, you just got through saying turnovers are matched into that. Yeah, it is. So it's what we're really talking about is if he doesn't turn the ball over, he's pretty damn good at getting right. the ball through the rim. You know. Mm -hmm. And so here's what I worry about, especially after just listening to him. Um, he wants to do it, and he wants to do it a lot. And, totally, totally uh, fair. You know, and, yep. that, you know, it, it needs to be like, you know, 2C in the lineup. You know, well, if, if you look at the two, because I, I went and I, I clipped these out there. They're on Twitter somewhere from me. Um, they're broken possessions. The, both of them were. Oh, okay. It okay. was like the, the first one, the big one, the big – Rudy on Wemby dunk yeah. was uh, it was like Monte Morris pick and roll. He did that like gnashing, you know, goes under right. the rim with it, right. kicks it to Nas. There's like seven seconds on the shot clock. Nas gets into like a handoff with Rudy. Rudy immediately, which was big, decisively went at Wemby. Right. One dribble, pump, spin back, dunk. You know, and then the other one was that was in, on the bench in front of us. It was also like six seven seconds left. Rudy's kind of in the dunker, and he went into a, a post move with him. They're not. I think that's your that's point, perfect. right? That's perfect. That yeah. is perfect. I, and I just think it, it's just worth noting, right? This is always what we fight with Gobert is the aesthetic, right? The aesthetic versus the result. And I think it's – he had another post up on Wemby earlier. Well, like we said, it's like a running left hook and like just <laughs> like 0% chance, it, right? It actually looked like it, it might have been like a corner three pass off the carom, you know? <laughs> it was just – it was hard. Yeah. And, and but But that's like – that's just what I, or I think we need to remind ourselves is in the aggregate, this is okay. It doesn't need to be a right, big, a right. big part of the diet, but you know, since he's, since he's been here, I mean, over, over a point per possession on those, I mean, like ant pick and rolls, granted he doesn't have way higher volume. Those aren't a point per possession when he Absolutely shoots up a not. pick and roll right. and right. ISOs are, are less than a point per possession. Nas post-ups terrible this season, point mm -hmm. six, four, four points per possession. Awful. Right. Like it, even Cat, I looked at his spot up things, which is not obviously when Cat doesn't spot up and he shoots it, right? That's well over a point per possession. But in the aggregate, because Cat pumps and goes, and that deteriorates the efficiency right. of the spot up situations, he's under a point per possession in those two. So it's not like something to just mess around with and do. When the Wolves go to it, it's it's worked. And again, against I'm, I'm thinking about this. In the case of a team that's going to play small against them, being something that they can go to on occasion, that I think that's big. What it's an ongoing theme this season, and I've written like at least two columns about it, maybe three. I'm probably going to do another one, if not tomorrow, sometime soon. The template for a successful Timberwolves offense could not be more explicit at this point. I mean, it is just dumbfounding to me 
that Finch preaches it, they game plan it, it's laid out, and this team continues to sabotage its own collective expertise at that end of the floor. They are so inefficient relative to their capability. And what makes this so maddening is that they have a historically great defense and they have phenomenal talent on offense. They really do have the capability to be a championship contender after winning one playoff game Mm -hmm. the year before. They have a, a not unrealistic shot of being a force that other teams um, could play their best game and still lose if the Wolves yeah. play their best game. If they do the template for if offensive success. If they play, if they utilize the system that has been implemented, move the ball, move without the ball, make quick decisions, emphasize your strengths and matchups, and Gobert being like one of the things, as we said, you know, it's kind of like the fruit cup at the end of the meal, but it finishes the meal, whatever, you know. <laughs> but the bottom line is this team prefers instead, you know, to like eat four helpings of bread, you know, and then start the meal. It's like it's it's just it's incredible to me. That that's how dinner works in my family. <laughs> Well, as a guy who works on a carbohydrates and caffeine diet, I will also <laughs> admit that you usually is mine. On the other hand, I don't claim to be in perfect physical condition. And, 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 if, and if I was, you know, in a sporting event that caused me to have to go 82 games to do everything just right, I might eat a couple more, couple more fruit cups. Huh? Exactly. At the very least, some, you know. The vegetables of Mike Conley's high pick and roll, you know, or something. But why this team? I mean, Ant went through two or three games. His assist to turnover ratio was 17 to 1. You cannot have an assist to turnover ratio of 17 to 1 unless you have the court vision, you have the discipline, you see how teams are attacking you. And you respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. Why that can't sustain, you know, and I'm not talking about 17 to 1 sustain. I'm talking about like 3 to 1 or 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. If Ann had an assist to turnover ratio of 3 to 1 and Cat had an assist to turnover ratio of 2 to 1 and Cat was increasing his three-point mix and reducing his dribble penetration – this team would really have a chance to beat everybody. And I can't remember, you know, 0304 is the obvious comparison. You know, that is the only other time I've covered this team where I could honestly say that. And yet, you know, you, you were, I mean, we were together. You saw, for some reason, I was just furious after that Milwaukee game because they, they beat the Bucks three out of four quarters and just played so stupidly in that third quarter. They did not get their defense a chance. The Bucks suddenly, the you know, the wounded Bucks everybody had been talking about, how it wasn't working. You just give them an infusion of, you know, it was the first game after the All-Star break. And, right. you know, and 
you provide sustenance to quality opponents, you're going to probably lose. And not only that, but you're you're ingraining more of that awful habit that you have. And it's just so obvious that they're capable of doing something else because when they do, boom. I mean, they handily beat the Clippers. Right. They handily beat the Bucks. They beat any team. They play the Celtics. They've actually played really great basketball relative to their talent on the floor. When they played the Celtics both times, they played them. Sure. They, you know, and, and so what every Wolves fan should hope for is that this team somehow aligns itself when the games really start to matter and play to their potential. And if they play to their potential, some incredible things could happen this year. Today's show is brought to you by Doer, D-U-E-R. You've all heard me talk about how much I love my Doer jeans. They're legit. My favorite pants to wear. I've got the no sweat pant in the relaxed fit. Have those in black. I will probably wear them to the game tonight. They're that type of pants where you got them because they're stylish, but they're also your most comfortable pair of pants. So you just wear them all the time because they're comfortable. Those no sweat pants were voted the number one best gift for business travels by USA Today. Again, thanks to the comfort of a pair of sweatpants, but with the clean finish of a pair of khakis or chinos, Doer makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel, not just for men, but also for women with elevated styles that stand apart. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch and that breathability and the temperature regulating fabrics keep you cool and dry. Trust me, you need Doer in your wardrobe. Order your new favorite jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shop. D-U-E-R dot com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shop, D-U-E-R dot com slash Dane Moore. Don't wait to get 15% off now. Go to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by Factor Meals, and I'm excited to again be doing Factor. I remember back in 2020, I did Factor. They weren't a sponsor of the show or anything. It was just the pandemic. And I was so sick of cooking myself uh, three meals a day at home. I wanted a nutritional meal. I didn't want to cook it myself. And I wanted it quick. I found Factor. Uh, it's cool they're a, a sponsor now because they're uh, meals that take two minutes to make. But they come out restaurant quality food. And they're ready just to be heated up whenever I'm ready to eat. Factor for me is the perfect uh, solution for fast upscale eating options. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prep, no cooking, no cleanup needed. Oh, and the smoothies are really good. If you try this out, throw some smoothies in your cart. Head to factormeals.com slash Danemore50 and use Danemore50 to get 50% off. That's code Danemore50 at factormeals.com slash Danemore50 to get 50% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Britt, you uh, were excited about the Monte Morris minutes uh, last night and and asked uh, Finch not only about Morris, but the going to the two-point guard look which is which is something this team has done for the last two games when they've been when they've been down Rudy against Brooklyn down Cat uh, last night Jordan McLaughlin is added to the rotation as the ninth man he's funny as that sounds he's been the the replacement the cat right? for, for, yeah for for the for the centers which um, is leading to a lot of a uh, lot more of Monte Morris and a lot more of the the two point guard look um, here's you uh, and Finch talking about it. Monte Morris seems like one of these guys that's going to be always a lot better than his box score. Yeah. I mean, he, for sure. He, what he did physically, uh, you know, with screens and just recognizing things tonight, does a lot of the little things. Yeah, super smart, you know, um, knows how to get to his spots. He knows how to get to his shots. He kind of, you know, you can see when he starts to attack, he has a plan. Um, you know, really, really, really safe pair of hands out there, but it's great to see him knock down shots too. So. Are you, um, I mean, you, you've been, obviously you've been down people, but you said having these nine, you're going to have different combinations to give you depth. Yeah. You seem really comfortable with relatively small size on the perimeter as long as you have one big in the game. That seems to be working well. Do you think it can sustain to some extent? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, J-Mac's been he's played really well for us all season and he he was outstanding tonight in many ways i thought he was kind of like turned the game at one point and then you know i thought when they had a chance to turn it back he, he was he's, he was great at like stemming that tide um you know i you know really like we just went with our most experienced guys and that's they just happened to be smaller on the perimeter but yeah when you have rudy out there and you know, Nas has been great rim protection. He's really got, you know, got got a lot of uh, block shots in the last couple of games since coming back from the break. So couldn't get out of there with a little bit more <laughs> Nas praise. In there Nas defense. Nas defense. <laughs> um, but let's talk about Morris uh, specifically there, and, and what that's kind of um, unlocking. I think, I mean, good game. We can talk about that that game in particular. But what I was noting during it was. You know, with Monte playing more and earlier, Mike Conley played 10 minutes in the first half and 10 minutes in the second half. Um, on the front end of a back-to-back, Mike wants to play in every one of these games. He doesn't want to do the resting on the second night of a back-to-back thing. Um, yet at the same time, this is your 36-year-old point guard who's critical to your success in the playoffs. You need that. And that was 
that was one of the hopes and expectations of Monte Morris mixing in is that it was going to allow Mike to have games where he doesn't have to play 30 minutes. Um, and that, that is, that is happening. It's happening in a different sort of way than we expected. Um, I, I don't know. I think we just sort of thought it was going to be the starter backup sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know what it is after this game, but I, I looked into it before uh, the Spurs game and 36% of Monte Morris's minutes had come alongside uh, Mike Conley. I would assume it's at that or, or, or higher now. Um, but I'm just going to let you uh, rave about Monte Morris a little bit because <laughs> yeah. that's what you did for about yeah, you heard straight me. minutes. That's well, right. I mean, the first rotation of the game, so many little things he did. Uh, one of the things that, one of the reasons the Wolves got shaped, Milton, was physicality. Uh, you know, he's a big dude, 6'5", I think 220, 230 or whatever. Um, and they thought, you know, we're playing bully ball. Let's extend it to the perimeter. Let's get all five guys who can do this, crunch people. And that was one of the reasons that they were excited about Shake. Um, and Shake didn't have that. Shake was uh, just, I mean, for so many, in so many ways, he was not what was advertised. And I just think it was a bad fit. And, you know, no, no uh, discredit to either side. It was just clearly something that didn't work out. Um, I looked up Monte Morris's weight. It's 183 pounds, which I simply don't believe. I don't believe he's two pounds lighter than J-Mac. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that he's, he's, and let's say he is. I haven't seen a perimeter player. I haven't seen almost any Wolves player in, you know, 10 years that, has slyly meted out punishment on people screening him the way Morris was doing last night. I mean, what happens is somebody screens you, and if you barge into that guy at the time of the, at the level when the level is happening, you're going to get called for a foul. If you do it like a two beats later, you're not going to get, the foul because the guy is moving off the pick and starting to move somewhere. And there were a couple of times where Morris just basically let him know he was there and it was physical basketball. And, you know, it's an old Sam Mitchell, Sam Mitchell used to do this. And uh, yeah. Brent goes to me in the middle of the game. He goes, he's really reminded me of Sam Mitchell. I was like, who? <laughs> like, I don't even know what that kind of means. And it's like, it's a journeyman trick that used to be sure. a lot easier to do Trent Hassel used to do it too of just being somebody who reminds you that they're in the game with a couple of yeah. chucks uh, and you know who does it really well I mean not actually really well because he's really blatant at it but gets away with it a lot because he does it well is Mo Wagner of the Orlando sure. a guy who just you know he barges into people mm -hmm. and Monte Morris, uh, I mean, I love the fact that coming in to this, you know, trade that happened, you look, oh, his assistant turnover ratio is incredible. He can stick a three. He runs a pick and roll. It was not. I haven't, a, haven't seen know, I, had, <laughs> I did not see Monte Morris as the kind of guy who would be like straightening up, you know, screeners on the perimeter. And that's the kind of thing it softens people up. Um, they're, you know, I mean, 
Mike Conley is the beneficiary because those guys are a little bit, you know, he takes the starch out of some of these guys. And then you have the situation, there was a, a ball where, uh, remember that like Ephus pass or whatever, that guy threw a ball yeah, yeah, uh, that's way up in the air. Monty Morris knew that he wasn't going to be able to get that because the guy he was guarding was bigger. I can't even remember who it was. Might have been Soshin. But yeah. whoever it was, I can think of Ant, Jade McDaniels, Nas. I can think of so many people who would be like it's treating, it, treating it like a jump ball. You know, here we go. And the odds are, because they would be coming into the play as this guy's almost going straight up because he's almost underneath it. It's a foul situation. You might get the ball, and it might be a cool play, but what Monte Morris did was got himself a defensive position right in front of where this guy was going to catch the ball. That's just smart basketball. And then almost, I think it was might have been the same player a possession later, that play where he was using his hands as like four guys who were batting it around, and he found the right way to not only secure that ball among two or three other pairs of hands, but to dribble through it, come down the floor, yeah. turn down the three or the open two, you know, to, to dish it for an open three um, or a slam. I can't remember which one it was now. I tweeted it out. But it was like he had like about a seven-possession run where yeah. four of those possessions he did something that showed something unique. You know, something that you, players don't do every day. Yeah, and and, and this, it, it, is, this like is how nightmare. you used to react to Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, exactly. Well, and and all of these things that you're talking about, if I'm remembering correctly, happened at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, it was the first rotation. Monte Morris checked into the game. Bulls are down 13 to 10, um, and at that point, for the rest of the quarter, they went on a 19 to eight run and again that's when Nas came into it got him it wasn't it wasn't like I, I think Morris had one three uh yeah. but two assists I'm pretty sure that's what he he left uh the the first quarter with um so it was, it was part of it was part of a group but it's it was you know Nas not always but when he does kind of inspire inspiration right, right away in that first shift he hits that first three he makes some sort of big play dunk whatever there's something to that it kind of uh I think it gets Ant his second wind Ant plays the entirety of the first quarter and the entirety of the third quarter when that bench group comes in and if they can inspire something, it gets Ant going again to, to close that, that quarter well. And, and Morris being able to bring that in addition to, or in, in place of Nas seems like it, you know, it, it could be a weapon. I mean, I'm still not, I mean, I, I'm not like blown away by by Monte Morris or something like that. He's well, it's not but like, everything. Yeah. Everything I just said. Let's face it. If you think back to everything I just said, how much of that is on the box score? I mean, shoot. yeah. Somebody in a position the after somebody gets as a pass, yeah. you know, True. rattling somebody on a pick, you know, getting a mm -hmm. ball in a loose, you know, situation. Not really. As, I mean, I guess it's a steal, but it's. Uh, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt what you were saying. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just writing something down right now. Okay. Um, no, no, I I think it, it is what I like you, about it. You were it saying is, you're not really sold, I mean, or not really uh, as enthusiastic as I am, which I understand. Yeah, no, I mean. I began to realize I was kind of going overboard just because <laughs> what happened was, you know, when somebody makes a really cool play and you just say, all right, 
Right. I'm going to watch him for a couple of plays. Mm -hmm. And, and as I watched watch him, him, he made like two or three or four plays. Right. You know, it's like, whoa. I, I, don't, I, don't say, I don't say that to mean like a dig or anything. I, I say right. that to mean like, I don't think there's a, a level beyond that. Right. No, you know, no, absolutely if, not. If it was some, you know, if it was somebody who was like, like when Nas and Nikhil started showing signs of right. this stuff a couple of years ago, you, it makes you go, huh? Because you know, more can grow on top of it. Right. Monte Morris needs to do that. This, that's it. What he can grow more on is getting in better shape, getting his legs under him after, you know, only having played in like, I think it was 68 minutes with right. the Pistons before, before he, uh, you know, he got to the Wolves. The, the very end of the the first quarter ended in a Monte Morris corner three that just didn't make it all the way to the rim because <laughs> his legs so were dead. tired. Yeah, he you know, so and tired. and but but that is something that's going to go away in in right. all likelihood, right? Like uh, that that was the sixth minute of his six minute stint. Monte Morris is going to be fine playing the sixth minute of his sixth stint in a week or two weeks right. or what whatever right. it is. So I think there is 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 more that that he can do, but really it's just doing. The thing that you need him to do, be a guy. I mean, honestly, what matters so much is just that they guard him on the perimeter. And it doesn't right. even matter right now how often he, I don't even know what his, his three point right. percentage is right now. It's just like at Jordan McLaughlin is now over 40%. But when Jordan McLaughlin plays and he's on the perimeter, they don't guard him. And, and they shouldn't. And it, 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 so it's, it's, it's one of these things where you have to apply the number into the way in which it's gone. And that's not to rip on J Mac. He played really right. well in this, he did. this, this two point guard look thing uh, as, as well last night. So be something to track the numbers with Conley and Morris on the floor together thus far in a small sample size are terrible. Um, I would bet on that more being a small sample size than a ongoing trend. Uh, and they're going to let it get its time to, to prove, you know, to, to prove that out. It really reminds me of that three years, Finch's first year. Right. Finch was really into D'Lo and J-Mac, and he would be like, I really like this. I really like this. <laughs> Just we keep looking at the numbers. I'm like, they're not good, bud. You and know? Finch but like, does yeah. have, he has a tendency to overrate the stuff, and yep. a lot of it, I mean, I thought Jace was really, really good with J-Mac last night. I, I don't know if you were in that scrum. Yeah, no, I was there. But uh, where he talked about, what's it like? You know, to have a, a multiple point guards on the floor, sure. and you know, and J Mac was and, and and do you watch and see what those guys are doing when you're on the bench? Is another question he asked J Mac, and they were excellent questions because it is a simple offense to run. You have your reads, you do your reads, and mm -hmm. J Mac was just saying, "Yeah, you know, he does it, I do it, Conley does it, everybody does it." It's the question then becomes. After the initial reads are there, what do the other guys do, and how can you rescue them? Sometimes, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the most important thing I you I was thinking Nah and Mars look great together, and they they have. I bet they have better numbers. But I think the idea with Conley is being able to get him free for open threes without using Gobert. That that's a that is really good because point. the guy still is like almost forty five percent. Yeah, he's one of the top five most accurate three point shooters in the NBA, and it isn't a fluke. I mean, it's his best season, but it isn't like the last no. two or three have been bad. No, it it's and and that that's that's part of the whole Morris thing too. Is it puts Mike Conley in spot up situations rather than pull up situations right. from from three, while also. Letting Conley play. I mean, 
So Conley played 20 minutes last night and, and actually had like a pretty good line to, to close the game. Was it 20 minutes, uh, six for 10 from the field, four of six of those were threes that he made, or four for six from three, 16 points, you know? And how many of those 19 minutes and 45 seconds was Mike Conley even on ball for? Right. You know, because, and that's, so that isn't even a true 20 minutes, you know, right. that, that, that Conley played. So he's going to be fresh to play tonight against Memphis in, you know, in, in all likelihood. There's a lot of value in that, and 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 Morris is is providing that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's do a final thing to, to wrap this. Um, not in the positive uh, vein. I don't know what to call it. So I called it McDaniel's writer's block continues. Uh-huh. Um, he's, he's just a little stuck. Uh, I... I I, we, we've talked. I think I talked to this with Chris or Jace earlier in the week because there's a lot of like animus and laziness stuff about that I saw about McDaniel's, you know, after that Brooklyn game, and Finch said, you know, he has to snap out of it. But to me, I don't see it to be an effort thing. I see even in these bad games, I see huge effort plays from McDaniel's all the time. I'm not denying the fact that he's right. been more ineffective and he you know he gets in foul trouble again last night and he gets you know really frustrated by by that i i just my pushback is on the idea that it's like deteriorating effort from mcdaniels but i can't no. argue the fact that he just hasn't been very impactful this season particularly because they do have Nikhil alexander walker who can come in for him and play a similar if not sometimes better perimeter defense than than Jaden does there this this just has to Jaden needs to find a way to break through this wall the team needs to do things to break him through that wall where are you just sort of at with uh Jaden McDaniels my take on it is that he has set the bar too high for himself this season okay I think it's very similar to what Josh Minot is going through in a very weird you know symmetry there Josh Minot thought that his role on this team would be a lot bigger than it is and he's dog bite. You can just tell by the way he plays. He wants to make highlights when he's on the court. And that's more understandable than Jaden. Jaden yeah. is meant to be the low-key regulator. He's not meant to be the spangled guy, the guy that, you know, okay, look at what Jaden just did. Sure. Jaden wants a little bit of both. He doesn't, he isn't theoretically greedy about the fact that he understands points will have to come to him via the effort of others, except he's less patient with it this year than any other season by far. Right. He wants 
to get his taste in the offense. And he is a bad judge of when those tastes should happen. Mm -hmm. He is emulating Cat in his one-on-three dribble drives to the rim sometimes. His uh, trademark drive to the rim and then bend over backwards. They call it the recliner fade away or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, and, and some of those other things. What Jaden needs to do is let the offense come to him in the form of corner threes, be ready and prioritize that as your offense. And then after you've hit a couple, up fake, put it on the deck, and get into your spots. But, but that, we're, we're 58 games in. That's not working. And that is what he has done. It isn't like he, he doesn't have experience with this because that's what he did for two years. I, 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 I'm not saying that's not no, the no. right role. No, I mean, I'm saying that role is not working. I've got to think that Finch and everybody who works with Jaden is telling him, I mean, you have to, you have to call it be patient in a certain way. All I can say is what we have seen from Jaden McDaniels that we hoped would go away is that he has an uncontrollable temper in very, very short bursts. It isn't like sure. he has an uncontrollable temper. He's not Lance Stevenson or something. He's not somebody who's just like off the chain all the time. It's like one minute he's fine, and the next minute he's like twirling Clay Thompson's jersey, you know? Or one minute he's fine, and the next minute he's committing a foul because he doesn't want the guy to beat him, even though this four tenths of a second on the clock in a one possession game. Uh, he has this willful temper that gets the better of him. And I think that builds up because his bar, he really thinks that he should be getting a reliable 12 to 15 points a game, whether or not the offense is, is steering that. Well, or not. So, so that's what I'm saying is that's clearly where he's at in his head. Right. And that has not changed at any point this season. And they have not changed his role at any point this season. Well, it's because he's so valuable on, on defense. I, I, I know. I, I'm asking, and I don't know what the I'm not I don't know what the answer is here, but I think what I would lean to personally is scripting more action for Jaden. Even even I I I think it needs I know, to change. But that's man. Feeding the beast. I I don't think I don't know. I don't think it necessarily is. I think there's a way in which early in a game particularly in the first quarter where you can script a little bit more for Jaden. You know, what, what is the, what is the main thing that, you know, it's just like a random possession. Right. And they want to get into something. It's that get action with Gobert uh, right. and Ant or Gobert and Conley. I, I think Ant and Conley would be better at that action than Jaden would, but that's just a pretty simple one where it's like, okay, here you go. Rudy, create you an advantage. Go to the middle of the floor. You, I, I believe you run that in the first quarter once or twice and you get Jaden something there, I think you benefit from the advantage of that for, for the rest of the game. And I'm just at the point, and I'm, it's not a guarantee. I don't know, but I'm thinking about this team through the lens of a ceiling here. And right. and your ceiling is lower. If this is Jaden, it, it is, I would be uh -huh. looking particularly during the regular season, particularly tonight when you're playing freaking Memphis, like let, 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 let's try it. There, you, there, 
What has been a, a, a game where they've, they've directed that at Jaden ever, the, the, the whole season? You know, the, you know? this is um, during the course of this answer, your answer, while I've been thinking about this, it, it's really helped my thinking in, in this response. The two things I thought of is, hey, let's not set up plays for shots for Jaden. Let's use him as a cutter. Let's set up plays where he's cutting because mm -hmm. that is, he's the fifth option. If he's the cutter, you know, guys are not going to use it. And then my second thought was Rudy is in the dunker spot this year and that is killing McDaniel's cuts. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons he might be frustrated in terms of he yeah. has this high it, bar it, for himself. It's kind of like Shake Milton. It's kind of like yeah. Shake Milton. Yeah. I, I think the reason that Jalen Noel wildly underwhelmed last season and why Shake Milton wildly underwhelmed this season is because Rudy Gobert is there on offense in their way. And they are they are the type of offensive player that can beat one guy that can't beat two. They can't right. beat the first one and navigate the second guy, at the, Rudy's guy at the rim. And that's why, you know. I, but, I, the, I, but the other thing is they cut both Shake and, and uh, Jalen Noel do a lot of angle cutting and right up the gut cutting. McDaniels is best on baseline cuts, and that's where a guy in the dunker spot is really going to kill you because there's literally no room. The, the people can't take the cut seriously to begin with. You're running, you're 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 killing spacing, and you're you're putting two guys on the baseline so nobody can get back on defense. It mm -hmm. is just a terrible. You can't unless he's on the weak side, and and you've done some wonderful, you know, gymnastics with people who typically don't like to do the gymnastics like Ant and Cat. You yeah. are not going to get that open lane on the weak side, and so it's. It, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate. I'm thinking out loud here. No, no, I, I'm just thinking of. I think what we're our ideas colliding together are saying yeah. is. When McDaniels is on the floor, if it's important to you to get get him more, which they might just be at the right. thing of like, no, we're, it's not. This is the role, whatever. Right. But if you want to get him more, it's putting Gobert in the slot where yeah. he's played where he's played some too. That's where he gets into that action with Conley or Ant often, or yeah. sometimes he just plays out of there. And you, you could know? even screen the cutter. I mean, screen the man who's flare whatever. Theoretic, theoretically, Jaden is being guarded by. It's the it, starting spot. For, for Gobert, yeah. in which when Gobert is here, does it allow Jaden to be a, a weaponized cutter? Because it does in the slot, it doesn't in, in the dunker. That's exactly right. So, yeah, that, I mean, that would be a way to synchronize what you want to see happen, what I think needs to happen. If Because I don't think, I think running like pick and rolls or spot ups or whatever for Jaden is only going to, uh, increased the guy he's he's probably one of those guys you know he's never made 25 million dollars in a year and you know i mean that, that's he's got to be thinking especially when he commits fouls and is off the floor for a while um i just think he's it, the way he started on offense was being an, a corner three outlet shooter he's become very adept at that right. and that is a good foundation building block but that requires patience from Jade McDaniels. And that's where I think that's why he's not been mm -hmm. uh, as effective. I don't think he's as, he's impatient 
with his role on offense as much as he has been in the previous years. And if you're going to expand that role, uh, what's Finch been talking about in terms of making this offense work? And what is the way this offense will work more is to develop more cutting. And if you remember what Cat and Jaden had in terms of Cat was in the high pick, well, even in the slot pick and roll or, you know, on the elbow, he would find McDaniel's strong side or weak side on cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Finch, remember Finch referenced that pregame yesterday because he got a couple of McDaniel's questions too. He's like, when Cat is involving him here to Jaden, he was a Cat and Ant, but he kind of focused on Cat a little bit more because Cat like, really kind of likes to do that. Yeah, he, he you know, Cat loves to yeah. feed layups. You know, mm-hmm. and so I mean, more if Ant feeds a layup, Ant says, "Okay, well, I've done my duty. I'm shooting the next time." You know? <laughs> yeah, that's good. And Cat's going, "All right, man. You know, I'm right. a complete player." I just think it's a it's an interesting overall like philosophy sort of thing, right? And what Finch normally sticks to is like, I I believe we're aiming for the best thing here, and and we are going to be patient and let that evolve to come to be, right? That's like the whole kind of process. But we don't the, know what he's saying behind the scenes because he's he sees what we see, which is I, I'm just can't... saying it's been the same. A lot, like a lot of McDaniel's the same, the way he's been used and the way his effectiveness has been. And yes, there's been the good examples of when Ant and Cat are moving it, that it's working. I just, maybe I'm just a more impatient person and see and find the need to have Jaden McDaniel's playing at a lot. Like if we go into the playoffs and go, eh, you know, Jaden McDaniel's and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are about the same thing. That sounds great. What you actually need is Nikhil to be at that level and Jaden to be above it. You mm-hmm. know, and and that and that is not just defensively. That's that's the whole game together. So when we're talking about you know these final twenty four games, little things that they can do to add to it and be peaking at the right time. Yeah, if Jane McDaniel's has like a ten game run here where it is that twelve to fifteen points a night, and you feel it, um, you know, resonating on the defensive end as well. Like, yeah, I I, I think that that gets me you know more encouraged about this team. But he's. He's for sure uh, in in a slump right now, and and hope you know just needs to. I don't know. He needs to break out of it, or or they need to break. And out the of way it. he's in a slump is that he is not availing himself of the chances to be an efficient scorer. Yeah, I mean, right. he he almost never gets shots, and part of that is uh, he's he's. I I don't think that the offense is so sabotaging him that he can't adjust sure. and begin to create things for himself. Um, so it is on him to some extent. It also is a tough role. And also, I just got to think that, um, let's face it, there's been a lot of dings on his resume since that, um, you know, breaking his hand thing. Yeah, the ding of uh, the wall, yeah. Yeah, and so um, it, it it is that he's got a fat contract for a long time. So yeah. it isn't like he shouldn't understand that this franchise has, has backed up their faith in him. Now it's on him to accept the limitations that have been put on him and right. to get the most out of it. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely, and 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 that happens. From time to time, you know, not at not at the frequency you'd like to see, but it's not like it's never happened. And yeah. and you know, it's that and that's it's it's encouraging. And we'll, you know, we'll, it's just it's just something to to track. 
um, over these. Well, I mean, look at what Rudy has done. Look at what Mike Conley has done. These are old vets who just want to win. They have. Yeah. What Mike Conley was doing in Utah before he came here is night and day from what he does now. Yep. What Rudy Gobert was doing in Utah compared to what he's doing now, totally different. These in terms guys, of offensive role, for sure. Yeah, yeah. These guys have understood what they have to do in order to make the team overall better, and they have done it. I mean, and, it, but but it, it's it's also common that it that a thirty one and thirty six year old would do that, and a twenty three year old would it or would it come to it as much? And and we're all, and I know people are sitting right. there like, well, it's what you have to do, and it's what we're saying you have to do. But right. like right. at the same time, these are. This is a 23-year-old human. It's the same reason Ant is continually making turnovers. It's the same reason this team, as Finch says, immaturity shows up in a bunch of different ways. And when this team does have the occasional fall apart, it normally goes back to, you know, the younger players finding immaturity in in different ways. And that's just going to come with your your 23-year-old sometimes. A 23-year-old who is very, very quiet and has an explosive temper. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, all right, we got uh, we got another game uh, tonight. The plan uh, the plan for tomorrow is I'm just going to do a little uh, 15 minute maybe solo recap of just some some main themes of the Grizzlies game, and then I'm going to have uh, Brendan Nunez on uh, who who covers the Kings. The Wolves play the Kings on on Friday. Less so a preview um, of that that Kings matchup on Friday, and more so the idea of what that could look like uh, in a playoff series. I've been watching a lot of the Kings recently because I felt like I hadn't. And I think that might very well could be a, a first round matchup. So Brendan and I, I'm excited for that. We'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow in the Grizzlies game, but uh, Britt, I will see you tonight. And I appreciate you doing this uh, with me today. Sure. No problem. All right. Um, yeah. Until what that be? Thursday morning uh, when, when I come back, talk a little Grizzlies and, and Kings. Um, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Another Wolves game tonight. Until then, reset. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com